This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. All right, guys, this shear is sponsored by Ariel Cohn in memory of Avram ben Yosef, his grandfather, Shoftim, 5781, Perak Yudches Tess. Now, this is going to be an amazing idea that we're going to have to talk about. It's based on the Ramban. The Ramban speaks about this more than else. says, You're coming to a land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given you. So it says, Don't learn how to do their abominations, the ways of the other nations, what they do and the types of things they do. Now, Rehearse points out that this whole parsha, Shoftim, starts off speaking about the Shoftim, about the judges and how they're supposed to go, the kings and how the kings are supposed to go, and the other leaders who serve the nation at any given time and how to act, how not to act, what they have to do, what they can't do. The only thing missing is the position of the Navi. We're missing that position of who the Navi is going to be. What's the Navi going to be like? And this section that talks about the different magics that a person is not allowed to do is an introduction into what the Navi must be. In other words, we're starting with a negative statement. The Navi cannot be a functionary that does something that's wrong, etc. It's got to be something that's indispensable to our nation in order for it to go. We should have no room for any of those people who are going to do the following things over here. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be able to tell us which prophets can be used and which ones guide our nation. Anything that we do must go through them. And that's the concept. That's the concept of this. That Surah Amor says that a king must have a Navi to advise him about what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to do. Every king that we have must have a Navi. And even though in the second base of Mikdash there were Melachim that did not have Nevi'im with them, there were kings that obviously Aristobulus, Horkinus, the different Herodian kings that were out there, the Hashemunai kings did not have a Navi because Nevi'im did not exist. It means that if a person is going to go to war, he shouldn't go in blind. And if you don't have a Navi, you have the next best thing. You have a Talmud Chacham to lead you in war, or else you become like Yanai. Yanai the king, and losing out on everything, destroying everything that's around. This is mentioned in the beginning of Brachos and Sanhedrin, Taz, Zion, and Aleph. They need that, and that's the connection between the king and the Navi. A king who thinks that he can go to magicians and soothsayers, the people that were well-known at the time by the other nations, who constantly gave their advice and did, sometimes they stumbled upon the truth, but there were people that really did not know. That is why this Pusik comes along and tells us you cannot follow those opinions. Even if their opinions are professional, even if those are the people that everybody goes to, all the nations go to these people. That's what they do. They go to astrologers. They go to the soothsayers. They go to the necromancers because that's what these people do. You can't go to these professional liars, these professional charlatans that Surah Amor says. You can't go anywhere near them. You have to go to a Navi instead. Now the Balaturim makes another connection. He says that this Parsha is directly connected to the Parsha about Kohanim, which comes right after the Parsha of the Wall of the Kings to tell you that the kings go to the Urim Bitumim and not Oviedoni and any of the other magics. Shaul HaMelech, his greatest mistake, although obviously there were certain things that he did that were against Shmuel Anavi, he had allowed Agag, king of Amalek, to be able to survive. He had done something wrong in not delaying the battle seven days, like Shmuel and Aviyah told him to do. But the end of his kingdom was going to the Balas Ov, Yoav's mother, and going to that person and asking for their advice what to do in such a case. 
at that point, Shaul HaMelech lost the kingdom. The Urim Betumim had stopped working for him. That's true. He didn't know what to do. It's clear from what had happened. The Balaturim mentions earlier. He had no idea what he was supposed to do. But something, something was missing in what he had done over here. And that was the problem. The Atshah Zadar asked the question how he knows the Urim Betumim, etc. He goes into it. That's not for us right now. The Yelis HaShachar, Rav Steinman asks, why would you think a king needs a love over anyone else not to do Ovinidoni? Why would that be something specific to him? And he answers, sometimes the king will matter for himself because he's like, look, I've got an entire seaboard to deal with. If I don't have the Urim Betumim and I have no other way of connecting to God and I have to do something right now, how am I supposed to make the right decision if I don't do magic? If I don't go to this Balazogra, I don't go to this horoscope to soothsayer, this person that seems to know what they're talking about. He might matter it for himself the same way that Sholomelech matured it for himself. I'm not being answered in dreams. I'm not being answered through Nevi'im. I'm not being answered through Urim So I got to find out what to do. Should I fight the Pelishim? Should I not fight the Pelishim? So he went to the Balas Ov. That might sound silly, but a king who has an entire nation under his belt has to make the right decision. And he was worried about what decision to make. And that's the reason why this happened, which is sad. But that's exactly why he needs a special love to tell him, do not do that. The Mi'amboes adds that the people who have thought throughout the time that they were going to have a king, that their king was going to act like all the other nations out there. Maybe they should be like the other kings out there. The other kings used soothsayers. They used the Mechashman. They used the Bali Ov and the Bali Yidoni, etc. Maybe you should use everything out there. Just like all the other nations out there. And therefore it's expressly forbidden by the Pasuk that you can't get involved with this. The Tam Vedas, where Sternbach says these partials are put next to each other because it's the way of magicians to be involved with a certain religion or a Vodazara. Even if they claim to be atheistic or agnostic at best, nonetheless, they still are connected in some way to some form of what we would call a Bodhisattva. They'll never admit it. They'll never admit that their power is based on Kohasatuma or demons or anything like that. But nonetheless, the Torah tells us the kings must go to the Kohanim and not to these people because it will only lead to the people going off. Because even they don't realize how off they are and how bad they are. That's why we stay away from those people. Shlomo, you had a question? It's a great call. Dapchav Zayin and Chav in Avodah Zarah speak about the, the question, can you be misrapin the Avodah Zarah, informed of Avodah Zarah? And not only do that, but Yaakov Mina, who was a, a min, a person who was off, I, I don't know exactly what he did or where it was, it's not described by the Gemara, but Yaakov Mina was not used to heal someone, I forgot who it was, maybe it was Rabbi Tarfon, would not allow Yaakov Mina to heal his brother, and his brother died. Because he was the doctor there, Yaakov Mina, and he didn't want to be healed by such a person. So I hear what you're saying. But even Sakanas Nafashos cannot be healed by something which is Avodah And magic may be in that category, especially with what they're doing now, especially with different types of demonology, etc. That would be the problem over here. That no, you wouldn't be able to do this even if it was a matzav of Sakanas Nafashos. And a king might think the way you're thinking. And that's why we got to tell him no. But the, the, the Balasov is... Yeah, the path is the issue. It's the pathway, regardless of the fact that he asked Shmuel and Avi, right? And plus, I mean, we don't know this, and I'm not going to say... But there is an opinion in the Rishonim like this, so I'm, I'm mentioning it. According to the opinion of the Rishonim, Shmuel and Avi never came. It was all faked by the Balasov. The Balasov faked the entire thing. 
Shmuel and Avi never appear to Shaul HaMelech. Now, we say in Pshat that somehow the necromancy worked and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu fooled the necromancer. And she didn't even know, but yet it happened. But there is an opinion, and it's brought in the Rishon. I believe it's the Redak's second opinion, maybe the Rabag, I can't remember, that says that it never happened, that she, the whole thing was a fake. No, nothing ever happened, which means that he didn't even hear anything from Shmuel. He got nothing. You know what I'm saying? So that's the process that's there. Then we get to that. Yeah, Ruben. Yeah, yeah. So how do you, how does one reconcile... It doesn't exactly say Yesh Mazel Yisrael, but the Gemara asks that question itself. It's in Shabbos, where a Mazel Yisrael is brought up. I forget where, and I'm going to be off on this. I think it's like, I don't remember if the Damachavs Chuskmars are Kufchav Ches, and this is on Kufnan Aleph or something. Like, I don't remember. It's in Shabbos toward the end, and I just don't remember the exact off. But everybody agrees, Ein Mazel Yisrael. The question is, do we have a mazel that we can supersede with our tefillah, and therefore Ein Mazel Yisrael, because we can supersede it, but there is an original plan that we're still under and we're under the constellations, just we have the ability to go over it? Or is it a form of, we always have the ability to do anything, and our stars up there are not even mentioned in the first place? It's just because of the nations around us that make us have to do certain things because their mazel is there, and we're automatically intertwined with them. Either way, it's, so, we hold a mazel Yisrael. And my second question is, if I'm going to divinations or sorcerers to tell me the future... Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's really what Rav Sternbach is saying is the whole problem in the first place. Once you get involved, you can't stop. It's like a Pringles bag. Like you're not going to be able to stop yourself at all. So it's a problem because you get involved and you get in there and you don't even realize that you're already being influenced by the powers of that kishuf. So although you think, well, I'm not really going to do that's not who I am. That's not what I'm going to be. It doesn't matter. You will. Exactly. It's, it, it's the problem of what a Bodhisattva is all about. Now, there is an interesting Rashi. Rashi says, in Losilman Lasos, that you're not allowed to learn how to do it, Rashi says, you can't learn it in order to practice them. But you could learn it to understand them and teach others how to stay away from it. Do you hear that? You can teach others. You're allowed to learn about Kishuf. Find out all the powers of the different magics out there in the world and learn how to not use it. Learn how to not use it. Now, why? Because if you study these things well, you'll see how terrible and filled with tuma they are. You'll be able to tell clearly, you'll be able to tell your children, your Talmudim, to stay away from it because you'll be so clear in it. You'll be like, oh, this is disgusting. This is nothing to do with God. You'll want to stay away from everything and you'll know that it's truly hukos ha'akum. Hukos ha'akum. Now, it's interesting. The Pardes Yosef brings down a gematria. Listen to this gematria. Not even off by one. Lo silmad la'asos Right, you shouldn't learn how to do it. Is one thousand three hundred and eleven the same gematria as Aval Ata Lamad But you can learn it in order to understand it and to teach it to other people. That is brilliant. That's unbelievable. Right? He says that's an absolute pella that it goes together that way. But that's Rashi. That's what he's learning over here. The Nachlas Yaakov says it's possible that the reason why you want to learn these magics is to kill a mechashev. 
These guys who are into Kishuf, who might be able to hide their way of getting killed, like Bilam. Nobody could figure out how to kill him, like we learned a few, a few years ago. He might be super confident in his abilities. If you learn the stuff that he knows, then you'll know what to do to him. You'll know that his stuff is fake. If a guy gets up there and he's a magician, and he's like, okay, here, I'm going to show you a magic trick, and he's do all these magic tricks in front of you, you might be fooled by him. But if you're an expert in different types of magic, if that's who you are, you'll know exactly how he does it. You'll know exactly how, how he does his things. It's, it's unbelievable how these guys get involved and how they, they can fool you, so to speak. And that's all based on Rashi and Sanhedrin, Daf Yud Zion. Now the Torah to Mima, Rav Epstein says the same. It would be permitted to learn how to use these magics so that you can find yourself in a place where you will have the upper hand. You, they're going to be afraid to damage you. They'll be afraid to do something to you. In a Zara, Daf Yud Chesim and Aleph, it may be that you're even allowed, Rashi says, you might be allowed to pronounce God's name correctly. This is Yud Ke Vav Ke in order to be able to keep away from their garbage and get around there. Rashi in Sanhedrin Kofalo says you might be able to use the shame membeis. That's the ana bekoach, the little shamos that are on the side, aleph, you know, the, the abagyatats, etc. It could be able to do that. And Tosis Shavuos, Lamed Hamad Aleph says it means to say the shame of Ayah properly. You're allowed to learn that in order to get to the next level, to take yourself to the next level. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's the idea of what you're allowed to do. Now, the Rambam doesn't mention any of this in his halachos. When he goes through the halachos, he doesn't mention anything about learning about Kishuf in order to disprove them. But you know what? I, I think that's purely Lishitaso. Doesn't that make sense? The Rambam doesn't believe that magic really exists. So he doesn't even want you to learn anything about it. Why bother? What's the point in the first place? There's no point in doing that Right? If you're, if you're, sorry, if you're going to have that problem in the first place, it doesn't make any sense. So the Rambam would say, Lishitaso, that you don't have to worry about this stuff. Don't even bother. And he doesn't mention his halachos. But it is interesting. Rashi says clearly you're allowed to do it. The other Rishonim clearly mention it. The Rambam doesn't say one word about it. Okay. What? Yeah. There's a thing called personality, mm-hmm. not astrology. Mm-hmm. Right, it depends where, they, where it stems from. Meaning, we have that as well in the Gemara and Shabbos in the last parak. We do have that concept. People born on Mondays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays are a certain way. People born under Shabsai or Madim or, so or you know, Chama. If it's under us, in our Chachamim, it's taught by a person that we trust, then it's fine. If it's not taught by us, then I would say stay away from it. Exactly. If it's based on the Zohar, etc., and a legitimate version of the Zohar that the Arizal would teach, then I would say 100% you can trust it. I, I'm just saying, you know, if you did, right, then it would be fine. But if you didn't, if you're reading it in other books, like one time, one summer, I decided that I went to the library, the Skokie Public Library, and I took out three books. One was on palm reading, one was on forehead reading, and the other one was on astrology, right? And I took out all those three books, and I wanted to see exactly how it worked. And I, before I started, I went to my Rebbe, and I said to my Rebbe, I'm like, I'm just doing this, like, cool reading, you know, over the summer. I figured, like, I have some time. I'm going to read something anyway. It's better than doing anything else that I might do during that time. Should I just go over it? He's like, stay 
far away. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy who's just like, oh, look at you. You're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> That's not the guy you want to be. And I totally understand it. What he's t- telling me is exactly what I'm saying right now. Stay away from these things if you don't know the source. Because if it's sourced in something else, then you're dealing with the wrong thing. So, yeah, I did finish those. Uh, anyway, I didn't. I returned them right away. Rapersh says this means that it's forbidden to study their abominations, but it's allowed to obtain, this is what he calls it, I'm quoting him, a theoretical knowledge of them in order to nullify their thought process and what they do. In fact, in certain cases, this is not only Motor, but it's required. Members of Sanhedrin are required to know Kishuf so that if somebody comes in and they claim he was doing Kishuf, they have to know if what he did was actually Kishuf. So they have to know the processes of what those things are like. If they don't know it, how could they judge it properly? That's how the Rapersh says it. The Rabbeinu Bahaya says the exact same thing, obviously hundreds of years earlier. They have to be experts in all wisdoms. They don't have to know everything in detail, but they have to know the basic ideas. And if they hear that a guy was doing X, Y, and Z, they'll be like, oh, that's right. That is a form of divination. That is a form of some form of, of superstition that we have to worry about. And therefore, you stay away from it. Yeah. Okay. Isn't everything in Torah? Yes. So, are you saying that there were allowed, or they should go outside of Torah to learn about these different things, or within Torah they learn? No, they them? skew the words of the Torah according to what their minds think is correct, okay. so they're just so misreading it. Right, it's a mis. Right, it's misunderstanding what our Torah wants to say. So how did these? How did? How did like Sanhedrin know what was legit and what wasn't legit? I, I don't know. I'm not in Sanhedrin. I'm assuming if I did, if I was, then I would know. But yeah, you had to be on Sanhedrin. And again, they probably had a Masora of what the Sodos of the Torah were, what the Kabbalah of the Torah was. So they would have that, and then they would use this, and they'd say, this doesn't make any sense. I'm assuming they spoke it over with each other as well. And I'm sure there were certain things that the Arizal had to do. Of course, yeah, of course. There has to be. There has to be in what's real. And that, that really is the shameless of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in using them properly, getting into it in the right way. The shame Hatuma, which we'll talk about, Avraminu, the, the shame Tuma Muslim that he gave to the nations after sending them to the East, whatever that was, certainly involved something like this. Yeah, Shalom. Um, just for practical reasons, Well, if they say to a person, that's Kishif, because they know that something's wrong, and the guy says, Apple Pecan, right? And then they bring him to court, and it's a magic trick, you know, like a card trick. You know, he's just like, pick a card, like, oh, it's right here, right? That. And clearly, okay, you know, like, they'll, they'll say, like, that's ridiculous. We've seen this before. It's like a David Copperfield thing. But, like, if it's something else, that might be something that's issue. But I don't think regular people with Hasra needed to do it. And aside from that, even if there was no Hasra, you still have to know to bring him to Bayesden to stop him from what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? You would still have to stop him, even if you can't kill him. Okay, let's Correct. Okay. Correct. Correct. Now, Ayelza I, I Shachra talks about this again, and the Shach and the Pardis Yosef. I, I, this is the Pardis Yosef that talks about the shame Avram Vinu gave over to the Bnei Mizrach, the shame Atuma, etc. The Alshech says the nations of the world believed that a Kaddish Baruch was gone, that a Kaddish Baruch did no longer dealt with the direct ideas that this world represented. He had nothing to do with this. He wasn't Mashkiach Bepratus. 
You know what I'm saying? Like there was no hashkacha pratis, no hashkacha in individual things that happen in the world. He stopped caring about us. He took away that hashkacha and he doesn't care for us at all. That's what the nations thought. That's why they got involved in a Zorah. Because if there is no Hashem, because he created the world, but then he left, then he must have given over his power to different beings in this world, be that Avodazara, or, or that could be Mars. It could be Mars, it could be Jupiter, it could be one of the planets, or one of the constellations. Maybe that's the reason why they start serving them. They're convinced that they're correct, that that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu starts off the Pasuk and says, this is the land that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gave you. It's like a person going back to his parents' house. There's not going to be any real war. There's not going to be any challenges. You're going to see that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is with you every step of the way. This is not a question of, but maybe Hashem gave it over. Maybe for rain, we have to dive into the Malach of rain. And maybe for, for, for the, the too much, I don't know, for grain, we have to dive into the Malach of grain. Maybe we have to do that. No. Do not get involved with them, says the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Kaddish Baruch Hu took you here. Those practices are pointless and meaningless. They have nothing to do with you. Go to a Kaddish Baruch Hu and don't listen to anything else. Now, um, the word, the Chassam Sofer says in his Torah's Moshe, the word Yimtza is spelled Yimtza with a comma and not Yimatze, right? The wording over here, I don't have it. It's in the next passage, but I'm sorry. But Yimtza instead of Yimatze, he wonders why it's written in such a fashion. And he says that the psukim over here seem to mean you should not look at these laws as someone who has doubts about how HaKadosh Baruch works the world, and this will solidify his opinion. In other words, the only time that you can learn these magics is if you're so filled with Torah, you're literally, excuse me for saying it this way, you're vomiting up Torah. If your whole body is kulo Torah to the point where anytime somebody says something, you're like, oh, that reminds me of a Pasuk, or that reminds me of a Medrash. Oh, wow, there's a Gemara like that. If that's who you are, that's when you can get involved in this stuff because if it's garbage, you'll be able to push it out. Do you get what I'm saying? Because if you're so filled with Torah, then anything that comes in that's not that won't even get in because you're so filled. I'm sorry? Well, stay, I, I, that's for a different reason. The, the Kabbalah issue is really because, and the way the Ben Ishchai says it, is because it's so easy to mess up. And if you mess up, you're a kofer, kotitz benetias, and an apikoros. That's why people want to stay away from Kabbalah. It's not that you can't learn Kabbalah when you're five. You could, but if you mess up, you die immediately or spiritually die immediately. That's why. Yes, of course. Yeah, 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 but that's a different issue. But that's a different issue because he knows how to apply that to the knowledge that he already has. What we're saying over here is the magic that you've seen, right, should be able to literally bounce off you. And you're like, wait, that's not Torah. Get rid of it. That's how the Chassam Sofer said. But if Halila, the Chassam Sofer says, if you're still wondering, you're like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's a God. I'm 99% sure. But this is kind of cool. And I'm going to check it out. And I'm sure it's going to either convince me that there's a God 
or I'll go in another direction. That, he says, is totally usher. Even if you're only learning it, not to do it, but to know about it, and that's what you're doing it for, you cannot get involved with this. I'm going to give an example. River Victor Miller was famous for the fact that he did go through the Quran and he did go through the New Testament. Now, if somebody would ask me if they should go through the New Testament of the Quran, which I did get that question once from a guy who wanted to fight Jews for Jay, right? And he wanted to go through and he asked me, should I go through the New Testament to be able to disprove it? I'm like, dude, if you know every Pusik by heart, then it's time to go to the next thing, the next level. But until you finished, and I mean this, I fi- you finished Tanakh, Shas Bavli, Shas Yerushalmi, and the Rambam. Just that. When you finish that, then you can tell me that you want to learn the New Testament of the Quran. Otherwise, this is not light reading. And you have to know what you're doing because you could mess it up so badly. That's not what you want to do. Fill yourself up with something else. And that's how the Chassam Sofer is saying it. If you have a pure Misora, you understand what Hashem wants and what He's doing, then you can learn this not as a supplement to your Torah knowledge. And that's the problem. You're learning it as, okay, but now I need to know what's real and what isn't. If you're doing it in order to knock it out, then you do it. If you go any other direction, it will destroy you. And that's, I'm not positive I fully understand the Chassam Sofer at the end, but he says... That's panyesh bachem shorish pora rosh Anyone who has, that's in Parshat Nitzavim, anyone who has thoughts of Avodah Zarah will chas v'shalom, even if he'll be fine, it will show up in future generations. Future generations will have that shorish. That root is there. If there's a shorish pora rosh bitterness, wormwood, disgustingness within you, you may be able to knock it down. But it will come out in your children, chas v'shalom. So therefore, do not get involved unless it's to know the halacha and you're so filled, you can't keep it in. Yeah, did. So, um, the first mitzvah and the essential difference is the Nopi Hashem, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that pursuit, in that process, one might explore other options to contrast. Lishitaso, the Rambam would say very clearly that that would never include magics or anything like that because they don't exist. But, so but, he would be fine. Now, if you're asking me about trying to find other religions, I would tell you, you're born into Judaism. Learn all of your religion first and then see about anything else. Once you're filled with this, then go in. And I th- even the Rambam would agree with this. He does not say anywhere, right, in that first, in Hilchus Yisodia Torah, that you should try to t- see what every religion has to offer and see what we have and contrast it. That was never part of it, even though he does say Leda. It's more about know your religion, and then, and then, once you're there, you might have the opportunity to do something else, to see the other things and realize why they're false. Yeah. I, I mean, I, what I was always taught, and I'm, you're right, I'm not about Shuvah Rabbi. I'm not that type of guy, right? I'm, I'm not like that. But what I was always taught is do not ever try fighting them on their level. Show the veracity of what you're saying. Know your stuff so well that nobody can question you or wonder about what you're saying, and you will have no worries from any of the missionaries, no matter what they tell you. My job is not to disprove them. My job is to prove what I'm saying is correct. Prove what you're saying is correct. Work on yourself. Now, if somebody wants to go in the other direction, again, they can do it. You just got to be super, super careful. 
super, super careful. You cannot get involved with this. I did hear lots and lots of Torah from Rabusher Wade, who was a, a, a missionary priest who eventually came over to, to Claudius so he converted, and what he said, etc. I'm telling you, from what I've heard, the stuff that he said that proved Judaism, I was like all in on. The stuff where he disproved, I'm like, I, I don't know. If, I, like, if I'm keeping an open mind, I'm sort of like, I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe no. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not sure that's the correct way to go. I can hear someone who wants to do it, and I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert by any means, but I would definitely be wary of doing it, and that's exactly what the Chassam Sofer is saying over here. And on that, the Chassam Sofer says that that's the reason why you see people who go off the derech, immediately they hate Judaism. And he says it's not so when other people go off the derech from Christianity, other people go off the derech from Islam. They don't hate it, but by us, they're going to start a Netflix show. As soon as they go off the derech, they're going to be a successful Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever they're going to do. Why? What in the world? I mean, yes, okay, it didn't work for you, but all of a sudden you're, you have a hatred for it? Says Chassam Sofer, this is why. Because there was something within him, and he might not even, he or she might not even know that. There's a shorish, pora, rosh, velana, there's that root of evil within them that they don't know, and it could come out only generations and generations later. That's the idea, and there's a Pardes Yosef in Simon 149, that has a question from his grandson, the Shevet Silver, on this, but it's brilliant, a brilliantly said, work on yourself first and then go from there. Yeah, Ruben. Um, yeah. If I am trying to disprove the validity of another religion... Don't. And therefore, I don't even have to go delving into your New Testament or Quran or Baba Gita or whatever sources. I'm just, your premise is predicated on this translation. Has that ever worked on anybody? So that's, so that's approach A. Right. Pro, approach, B approach B is knowing <laughs> their doctrine and knowing their phraseology from their books is a lot different than knowing from Torah, when somebody says to you, Boker, and they translate it as night, it's very obvious it's not, they're wrong. Right. It, isn't there, is there not a difference between refuting them from Torah and say, well, everything you, you, you're basing this on... I, again, I, I'm, I'm not seeing what the point is. Where are we going with this? I'm like, saying, oh, if we wanted to... If, I, but what difference... What are you trying to prove with them? They're trying to say that, that Alma means Besula and therefore it refers to their father. First of all, the Pesach is totally out of context because it's in Yeshaya yes. that's not talking about Yashka. Right. Second of all, even if it does mean, let's say it is, it's talking about Mashiach in some sort of way and it's referring to a God that would be born, you know, the Son of God, etc. Even if that was, why am I changing their minds? What do I care? He's Christian. Let him be Christian. I don't care. But let it, as long as he believes in God. How many Yidin do you know that have been taken by Christianity in the last 50 years? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yidin by Christianity? A lot. Oh my gosh, those are weirdos. Jews, Jews for Judaism. Yeah, I don't know. Jews for Jay are crazy Not people. Jews for Jesus. Jews for Judaism is an organization that counters... I, I, I know. I understand it. I, 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 I'm, I'm not... 
going against Jews for Judaism. I'm sure they do unbelievable things. But how many people do we personally know? Like, I'm not arguing about this stuff. I'm just saying, like, don't get involved with it. If somebody comes up to me and starts asking me questions about it, I'm just like, look, there are great rabbis out there. Go find those rabbis and talk to them because I don't need to deal with this right now. It's just not worth it. Yeah. What, what's, yeah. Well, what are we going to get out of it? There's no point. There's just no point. That, that's what I'm saying. There's, why would we do it? Why fill ourselves with any of that if we don't need to? Anyway, the Bechor Shor and the Panayak Raza point out that in Parshish Amor, this warning was given to them that they shouldn't do Maisa Eretz Mitzrayim in addition to Maisa Eretz Canaan. There's Maisa Eretz Mitzrayim, Maisa Eretz Canaan, right? Now, there's a question over here. I don't understand. Over here, it's telling you not to do like the people of Eretz Canaan. That's these magics, the upcoming people, these types of people over there. They were told to stay away from it 40 years ago, right? So obviously, the obvious answer behind this is back then, they were just leaving Mitzrayim. So they had to forget that stuff. And then they were being taught not to do the stuff about the people they were coming into. Now it's 40 years later. You think these people remembered anything that they had in Mitzrayim? There's no way that any of the, most of them weren't alive anymore. Those people that were alive, you think they remember anything of Maiseret's Canaan, Maiseret's Mitzrayim? They don't need to. They only have to be worried about Maiseret's Canaan and that's that. But there's another answer that's brilliant from the Oznayim Torah from Zalman, um, Zalman Sorotskin. He says, Israel is a land that depends on rain for its drinking water. Not like Egypt. Egypt was a land where the Nile River was a constant. The constant was always there. Even if it didn't rain at all, there was no worries because the Nile River was there. The Nile Delta was always there. Life was based on the Nile, and the Nile wasn't drying up anytime soon. In Israel, it was all purely based on rain, and that people of Canaan had to make it rain. So they did anything they could, like the American Indians. They did these rain dances. They had these rain things. They did everything they could to make it rain because they knew if it didn't rain, they would die. And they understood that. They, they knew that was going to happen over here. In that case, this is why B'nai Israel told, when you go into Eretz Canaan and you see that it's going to be a problem getting rain, don't do what they do. Their practices are evil. Their practices are about Zara. You can't get involved with that. Stay away from Mitzrayim. We don't need that anymore. Their ways of gods and everything was totally different from the land you're going to come into. Stay into, stay out of what the people of Canaan do. The Nitziv says basically the exact same answer. And that's the difference. The Sofer also goes into the difference between Toavas Agoyim and Toavas Hashem. He talks about this well, but more than this. The Ramban. Oh, this Ramban. This Ramban is so massively brilliant. It, I honestly could have given a sheer just on this and just been on this itself. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu created everything out of nothing, right? Yesh Mi'ayim. He made the Elyonim as guides for the Tachtonim. Meaning, he placed the power of the land below and everything on it to be based on the Kochavim and the Mazolos above, depending on their position and the rotations, revolutions. That's what it's based on. When a person learns the Chochmah of astrology well, he'll see that this is true. The Ramban is telling you, if you understand astrology, you'll see that everything is based on up above. In a small measure, I guess we can see that through the tides, that the moon and its phases allow for the tides to go at a certain time in a certain place, whatever is tides of the oceans, tides of even lakes. Even those kochavim mazalos have malachim that are in charge of them. They guide them. They act as their nefesh, as their soul, as if they exist. However, everything had been prearranged by a Kaddish Bar who said the celestial guides, the malachim, are not making their own decisions, but rather according to what a Kaddish Bar who wants them to do. Thus, there are darche tmunos and kochos, he calls them, that can change the behaviors of everything in this world, forcing the world into a certain kivun, a certain direction. Now listen to this. Therefore, if you see something good or bad happening in the world, it's without a question based on the stars above. 
you're watching the stars above and you're seeing what happens. If a person knew how to read them correctly, you would be able to tell anything that could happen to a person, to a nation, or to the world itself. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his base didn't have the ability to change that at any point. Hashem has the ability to turn nega, the word nega, which is a plague, into oneg, pleasure for everybody there, just by switching, rearranging the letters. In that way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can change that black hole into a star that will shine extremely brightly. There can be a red moon that can turn into something that's bright white. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the ability to change the times. As Daniel said in Perak Bey's Pasuk Chabalot, he calls for the waters of the seas and changes the morning into the shadow of death. Based on Amos, Parakei Pasukas, without changing anything natural in our world, but just by moving around the stars and the constellations, making things happen above, he can make things happen down, to happen down here. Says the Ramban, the author of the Book of the Moon, which we don't have, this is not a book that we have today, Rav Chevelle, who writes that great parish on the Ramban, says we don't know the Sefer, but it's a Sefer written about who the Ramban called an expert in the field of necromancy and astrology. Hear this. He's an expert in the name of the Ramban. He said when the moon is the head of the constellation known as Aries, when Aries and the moon meet up in a certain place at a certain time, you should make a drawing of that grouping of stars, engraving it on, on it the time when this happens in the name of the angel that's in charge of that constellation, then burn incense in a specific way, and the result of that influence of the stars above will be evil. You can cause evil, destroying, overthrowing, eradicating everything around it. When the moon is another constellation, you should make another picture and burn incense, and the result is something very great. I don't know if anybody's been to the planetarium, but if you go to the planetarium, you go to that little thing right in the middle, right, and you admit that you're a massive nerd, and you look up, and they show you all the stars in the sky, and they show you all the picture, and they show you a, a range of stars, and they're like, what does that look like? And you're like... I don't know, the Big Dipper, because that's basically only one everybody knows. And they're like, it's the bear, the Ursa Major. And you're like, it, it, it literally, it's like a star. Like, how is that a bear, right? It, you have no idea what it could possibly be. I only realized this later on. Of course, because stars move in there and how we see them all the time. Of course, it was made by somebody to sort of, it was an arrangement that they were able to come up with, with their own imagination, and through that, if they knew that way of doing some type of a picture, you were able to create things down here with a bear. It sounds unbelievably strange, but you can create from what happens above down here. You can almost be like a dream interpreter. And just like all dreams go after the mouth and you could say whatever you want and you could allow a dream to become a certain way. You can create from the constellations above you into something major below. You just have to know the process and you have to know the malach. The Rabbeinu Bechaya adds on that he saw the letter of Galenus. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I don't know for sure. Which says that someone can make a model out of iron from what he sees by the planet Saturn at a certain time under a certain constellation. And if he buries that statue underneath the store of his rival, he will cause them to lose their business. If you put it by his house, you will cause death in that house and he'll be damaged in everything he does. Such wisdom, the Rabbin of says, could destroy the world if it were well known. It even says that if someone wants to be influenced by the power of Saturn, then on Shabbos, 
which is the constellation of Capricorn, he would have to stop eating meat and other foods, stop being with his wife, wear black clothing, and make a copper lion and sacrifice a black cat in front of it. If he does so, then it will come to you to tell the future and do what you want to do. That's why we're commanded on Shabbos to do the exact opposite of what that mazel would be, since such things weaken your soul while the Torah strengthens your soul and makes you more spiritually oriented. And just consider this for a second. That's what the Rabbeinu B'chai and the Ramban are quoting. The Ramban continues that all this happens because of the Malach that is in charge of that specific constellation or moon, etc. But its power was originally made by Hashem who gave this power to be used at certain times in certain places. I'm going to call afterward just because I want to finish. This is why Chazal say that Kishuf is Machishin Pamalya Shamila. It is able to deny and supersede the powers above. That even if Hashem wants it a certain way, if a person calls on them and does something before its time or in a way that Hashem allowed us to do, you can wield those powers from above, make it happen, and do something. And that's why it's usher. It's like kilayim. It's like mixing two animals together, a lion and a tiger, and coming out with something, because that's not the way that a Baruch Hu programmed the world to be. It's a change in the natural order. And of course, a Baruch Hu can restructure the world and turn it back into the right place. But it's veering off that path that a Baruch Hu was so upset about. No, 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 I wanted the world to be this way, but you using your kishuf, your you're rearranging the world through davening, through learning, and making the world different because I'm making it filled with Kedusha, Kaddish Baruch, who is happy. That's changing the world for the good. But using Kishuv is changing the world for the bad, and that's disgusting. There are those, such as the Rambam and those who follow his point of view, the Rambam with the men, who say there is no truth to any of this whatsoever. Because how could the raven or the stork possibly know what's going to happen? How could they know more than a human being would know? And therefore, these necromancers, these people that are doing these magics, how could they rely on birds or animals or even the stars to tell them something when they cannot speak, they're not human beings? Says the Ramban, on the other hand, how can you deny something that we see has happened time and again? The Ramban must have known people who were able to talk to birds or understand the call of birds, and he said they've happened time and time again. Chazal tell us in Vayiku Rabbah, birds will carry the call, and we see it clearly in Gittin, Memheim, and Aleph, that there were birds who they were able to speak to, or if Elish was able to speak to the birds, and they understood what the birds were saying. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, in some way. In some way. There is another secret here that has to be known. He says, we already said that these mazals have their own malachim that serve as souls to the planets, souls to the constellations, souls to the stars. For example, the malachim of the tail and the head of Aries are malachim that are close to the earth. They're known as negide hatli, which are able to tell the future. However, they're only able to tell you the immediate future if you ever would get a hold of these malachim, nothing long term. And it's done through the signs of the birds, seeing how their wings go, they're crying, they're wailing, the way they go. The fo- this form of wisdom is something that's called a tremendous chachma by the other nations, not an abomination. By us, it is a form of abomination. It was the wisdom, he says, of the B'nai Kedem, the men of the East, whether that's the Chinese, the ancient Chinese, the ancient Indians, or the ancient Arabs that got this Chachma from Avram, we don't know. They were able to understand from the birds. Now, Shlomo Melech's wisdom superseded all of them. He had the greatest wisdom in understanding this stuff of all, the Sichas Ophos. He was able to understand like Sukkah, Chavchas, and Right? He understood it, but he never used it. 
These things are abominations. They are forbidden in practice, even though the other nations became experts in these things. And they read clouds. They sacrificed children. They did other despicable acts in order to find what they needed to do. But we can't do this because a Kaddish Baruch who gave us Nevi'im to know the real future. Not one tainted by maybes. Not one that only gives us certain information, but not all of it. Kaddish Baruch who gave us Nevi'im to tell us everything we needed to know. And even now, says the Ramban, when we're not Zohar to have Nevi'im around us, then we're not supposed to know what the future holds. And that's fine. That's our job now. Our job is to accept where we are and to be okay with not knowing the future. We're supposed to trust Hashem that He has our best interests at heart and not push it when the time comes for us to know the future again. When there will be Nevi'im around, then we'll get it. But to go to see astrologers, to push horoscopes, to speak to the birds, to know about these types of things, that's what the Torah is telling us. Absolutely do not get involved with them. But nonetheless, the Ramban says, but it does work. There is clear indication through the Ramban, the Rabbeinu Bechaya, that not only does it work, but it's true. It happens. We as Klau Yisrael have to say to ourselves, it's not for us. That's an unbelievable Ramban with an unbelievable message. Aramuna and Akadosh Baruch Hu, in the days of night, literally, right? In the days of night when we're sitting here waiting for Mashiach to come is a time where we just wish, like, if only someone could tell us what's going to happen. If only someone could tell us what we're supposed to do. If only we would be given, like, a message. And on that, HaKadosh Baruch is telling us, you don't need it. You don't need it. If you needed it, I would tell it to you. If you needed something like this, then a Navi would be there. And he's not there, which means you are not supposed to know it. That's the message that the Ramban is saying, based on this Pasuk. You don't get involved in those things that those nations get involved. As cool as it is, sometimes you have to be a little bit uncool. Sometimes you've got to be a little uncool. We'll stop with that, guys. Have a